We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm a publisher of BearReport.com. Here today again with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How you doing, bud? I am excited. Uh, this is just far beyond my expectations of what I actually you know, expected our Ryan Pace. I hoped something like this would happen, but uh, man, this offense is looking a lot different, at least on paper. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're aware that the legal tamp- tampering period uh, has been going on here for the last day and a half or so, and the Bears have been extremely active. Like you said, a little more active than I think you or I both assumed. That, uh, you know, they've already signed four players or will sign four players tomorrow at 3 p.m. when the season starts uh, officially. And yeah, I mean, they're all offensive players and 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 uh, a kicker. I mean, those were, <laughs> you know, we talked about the needs at wide receiver, and the Bears went big. Talk about their big guy, Allen Robinson. Well, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, you, you just look at him. I mean, it, it's one of those things. Obviously, he's coming off an ACL tear, so there's a little bit of concern. He had somewhat of a down year the year before that. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that's not far removed from 1,400 yards and you know, crazy amount of touchdowns, and uh, it, it's it's a big move. I mean, the the fact that Ryan Pace was able to not only identify his guy, but be able to go get his guy, especially with the big need like receiver, I just I, I mean, there's really – I don't think there's a way to downplay it. Obviously, there's some, there's some risk involved. It's a three-year, $42 million deal, so he's getting $14 million a year. I think it's right around $20 million guaranteed is what I think I remember reading. But you're talking about a guy that's 24 years old. 
And there's a very good chance that if he plays out this contract, everything goes good, he keeps playing the way he's playing, the Bears are going to be able to control him for even longer, whether that be a franchise tag, whether they, you know, they sign him on long term. But you're talking about making a large investment in, in Trubisky right now and really putting weapons around him and getting the top guy in the market. Because I think some people got a little concerned when, especially after the, the Jarvis Landry trade happened. I was very vocal on Twitter. I'm not a big Jarvis Landry fan. I think he's a good slot receiver. Uh, I don't think he's as dynamic as people think he is. Uh, his numbers are a little over because he gets targets targeted a lot. But he had his yards per catch were not very good. But then you look at a guy like Allen Robinson. He can do it all. He's a good outside threat. He's the exact kind of player that the Bears need. And, I mean, he's got the ceiling to be a top five kind of receiver. I mean, he's very dominant back in 2015. And luckily, ACLs aren't the same as what they used to be. So I think this is a big move. It's big that the Bears were able to beat out so many teams and the fact that Ryan Pace was able to go out and say, okay, we're going to allot $14 million uh, a year to a receiver and give him a pretty hefty guarantee coming off an ACL tear, I think that really speaks to where Ryan Pace thinks his team is or where he thinks they're going and what the expectations are moving forward. Bears fans should be excited. Yeah, and you know, you and I talked a lot about uh, some of the mistakes that we felt Ryan Pace made last offseason, particularly you know, not poning up for uh, a few guys. One of them, Stephon Gilmore, obviously is one of the be- best cornerbacks in the NFL. So it looks like he, he learned from that mistake. And now, you know, if you don't think Allen Robinson's worth $14 million, so be it. But the Bears can afford it. And like you said, he's a legitimate number one wide receiver. He's 6'3", 211 pounds like you said he doesn't turn 25 until august i mean the bears could get you know like you said for another six years of number of top tier production out of a, out of a guy who just two years ago had 80 catches 1400 yards and he let and he was tied for the lead league with 14 touchdowns that year i mean that's his ceiling and that's a that's a huge ceiling uh so i you know yeah i think it's i think it's a, a really smart move by pace i mean like i said he can afford it he can afford to overspend on what you and I probably both consider their biggest position in need going into this offseason. So I think now you have you give Trubisky, you give your franchise quarterback that legitimate number one option, that big guy on the outside, the guy he can throw the ball up to on those third down situations, a guy who can win in those 50-50 situations. That's what Allen Robinson brings to the table. And that in itself will trickle down to the other guys and help everybody out. And this is going to help Jordan Howard. It's going to, I mean, the offensive line is going to, going to be helped out by his ability to just make plays on the football that no other receiver really, I mean, since, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, uh, the, Bear, had the Bears had. I mean, last year they didn't have anybody that Trubisky should do that to. Now they have their legit number one guy. And if, you know, say Cameron Meredith uh, comes back and plays well, or, if, you know, I know this might be dreaming, but if Kevin White stayed healthy and actually did something next year, now you have, uh, you know, a one-two combo that really packs a punch. But the Bears didn't stop there. They they also added Taylor Gabriel. This is this happened just a couple hours ago. Uh, former Falcons slot receiver. What are you, what are your thoughts on Gabriel? I think Gabriel is a very added. It's a very big need for this offense. And I think when you look at. It, Let's just rewind this back like a week and a half with the receiver market. Okay, at one point we're looking at a receiving market that basically had Jarvis Landry as the one guy that wasn't expected to get tagged. Everybody thought that uh, Sammy Watkins was going to get tagged. Nobody thought Allen Robinson was going to hit the market. So you're looking at a market where you're basically the the top receiver on the market is Jarvis Landry. He's a slot receiver. You know, like I said, I, I'm not a huge fan. Okay, whatever. But, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's probably going to command $14, $15 million a year, too. And then you've got the second tier of receivers, which Marquise Lee's really the only proven guy. Uh, Paul Richardson is, you know, one of those guys that maybe he has some upside. But 
you're looking at a very depleted receiver market. And then you, you flash forward and you say, oh, wow, Jarvis Landry is the only one that gets tagged. He ended up getting traded. It helped fill a need in Cleveland. So Cleveland really wasn't on the board for these receivers. And then all of a sudden your expectations change and you look at it and you say, okay, the Bears have a real shot to get a guy like Watkins or like we've been talking about. And luckily what they did was get Allen Robinson. So that all of a sudden changes the need. So you're looking at guys like Paul Richardson who have speed. you got Albert Wilson. We'll make it in that a little bit later on as to what happened there. I've got an interesting story on that. Uh, but you, you put together all these things and your expectation goes from, you know, a guy that may be able to be a you know a second wide receiver and a guy like Albert Wilson who may be able to be a low end number two but probably number three to all of a sudden you get Allen Robinson, but now you're looking and you're saying okay one of the big elements of uh, Kansas City's offense has been speed they got Tyreek Hill they had Albert Wilson so you're saying okay Albert Wilson signed a crazy in my mind a crazy deal uh, with with Miami ended up getting three years and eight million dollars a piece that's that's a lot for a guy that has a career high like 500 some odd yards receiving but all of a sudden you're saying okay we got these guys on the outside with Cam and Meredith we got the you know and we have Allen Robinson the big body guy but they're not they're not fast not not fast not guys that can really take the top off the defense with speed so you say okay we need a speed element here and you look at it and you say maybe a guy like John Brown he's had some concussion issues he's had some other issues and you look at uh, Taylor Gabriel and you say okay this guy is a prime uh, candidate to, to to fit that role I mean he's going to be a third receiver uh, he's going to probably come out of the slot he can play a little bit outside too but the biggest thing is is a speed element they call him uh I think they call it, if I'm remembering this right, and I could be wrong, uh, Turbo. And it's because he's so fast and he he's a good down-the-field threat. So now you have a guy like Taylor Gabriel who's 5'9". You have a guy like Tariq Cohen who's going to be coming out of the backfield, playing in the slot, playing outside, who's 5'6". you got some explosion. you got some speed. And you're adding all these things together, and you're talking about an offensive mind, but you're really trying to surround all this around Mitchell Trubisky. But like I said, I think that the speed element of getting a guy like Gabriel, I'd assume he's going to be around five or six million. We have, we at least as of this podcast, we haven't seen anything, but it's a needed element to uh, what we expect to be Nagy's offense. So I think this is this is one of those. He's a role player, just like uh, Albert Wilson would have been. But I think he's also going to be an important player moving forward and on a four-year deal. They have a they have a lot of real estate with the same guys, you know, depending on what goes on with Meredith stuff like that, to where they could have this group uh, with a high ceiling for quite a long time. Yeah, I, I think you you hit it on the head when you talked about. Uh, his acceleration, I mean, it, that's what kind of separates him, that, you know, he's a type of wide receiver who gets in and out of his breaks so quickly. Uh, ne- you know, never really put up top-tier numbers in Atlanta, but he, like you said, he's a role player. He's a slot receiver. His best year was a couple years ago, uh, 35 catches, 579 yards, and six touchdowns. Uh, but every year he's had his uh, he's had a 76 yard TD, a 56 yard TD, a 70 yard TD. I mean, he's a big play wide receiver. You get the ball in his hands, he can make defenders miss. He can break ankles. He can, uh, like you said, play multiple positions if you need him to. He is a little smaller, but uh, you you already added size. You already have three big wide receivers in Kevin White, Cameron Meredith, and and uh, Allen Robinson now. So you now you like you said now you get a little bit of speed, you get a little bit of shiftiness out of that slot, and that opens things up for the offense. And the Bears didn't even stop there. They had a Trey Burton at tight end. What do you think? I like it. 
I, I mean, he, we were talking about it before the, you know, before we started recording this and, you know, I, everybody's probably like, wow, this guy's just being a homer right now. But I swear to you, you know, I had, I had these rankings, these free agent rankings, uh, you know, before the, before the off season started and really kind of dove in deep because the bears really weren't that good this year. You know, <laughs> what, what, what's new there? Hopefully that'll change. But the biggest thing I noticed with a guy like Burton is his versatility. And a lot of people are like, well, that must mean that they don't like Adam Shaheen. And I don't think that's remotely the case. I think really what it means is they don't want Deion Sims at $6 million a year. And, yeah, I agree. But I think and that's kind of where it's at, at least for me, is you look at what they're doing here and you say, okay, Adam Shaheen's a big dude. Uh, he's more, at least in my mind, he's more of somebody that you're going to want to line up in the Y, uh, you know, is, is kind of the end line blocker. But he can also pass catch. He's a big guy. You know, so you have that there. Obviously, the blocking is going to need to improve. I wasn't overly impressed with Deion Sims blocking anyway, so I don't think it's going to be a big loss. But when you look at a guy like Trey Burton, you're talking about a guy that came in as a fullback. Uh, he was a uh, high school, high school or college quarterback. I'm drawing a blank on it right now, uh, as we saw in the Super Bowl when he threw that uh, that touchdown to, to Nick Foles. But the biggest thing is, is he's been underutilized uh, with the Eagles, but he has a high ceiling. I mean, he had, I mean, his catch rate, uh, you know, per, you know, his catches per target or whatever were, I mean, very impressive. I think he had 40 targets and 32 catches, which is very, very good. Uh, so I think you you look at that overall, and I think that that makes a lot of sense because now you have somebody who can go over the middle as a tight end. He can want, line up in the slot. He can want, line up out wide, and he's going to be somebody that you're going to use all over the place. So really, what you're doing is you're just forming a ton of weapons. A lot of two tight end sets. You know, uh, you know the the, the twelve formation. That, that's going to be big for them, and and to be able to have this kind of thing moving forward, plus the speed that you're going to have within uh, within Taylor Gabriel, and then the the outside threats. If everything goes as planned and these guys really hit their ceilings and, you know, obviously maybe that won't happen. But if everything goes according to plan, the Bears have the makings of a very dangerous offense. But the biggest thing is they have a lot of versatility. All these guys can play the slot. All these guys can play outside. So adding a guy like Burton, I think, is big. I know a lot of people look at it, $8 million for a guy that really hasn't done that much. And I get it. But the thing to remember, with especially with free agency, and we've kind of seen in the past, hopefully it works out better, is that – you're not paying these guys for what they did. You're paying these guys for what you expect them to do and what you project them to do moving forward. And and Trey Burton's a prime example of that. He may not like you know he may not look like he's worth the money right this five seconds, but I think Bears fans are going to come to like him a lot, and I think he's going to be a very valuable piece for them moving forward. Well, I, I think that one of the biggest points you brought up there is the fact that he did come into the league as a fullback, uh, didn't catch a pass or caught, didn't catch a pass till his second season. He only caught three passes that year, so he really is a is a, a raw at the tight end position but you know if he's if he was a fullback you have to assume that Burton's probably a pretty good blocker and so if that if that in itself is all that he does is he becomes a quality edge blocker for the Bears I mean you don't pay eight million for an edge blocker but uh, that to me would would make you know give him a lot of value I think that's really like you said Deion Sims was not impressive last year Adam Shaheen needs to improve in that area greatly Uh, so I think Burton's you know history as a fullback and and what he's done as a blocker for the Eagles and what he could do as a blocker for the Bears is huge. Now I do agree with you. I think you know he was stuck behind Zach Ertz and in in, in, uh, in Philadelphia and you know only had 23 catches last year. Had 37 catches the uh, the year before, but of those 23 catches he had last year, uh, tw- five of them turned into touchdowns. So uh, you know he's a he's you know like you said he takes advantages takes advantage of his opportunities. And it's just like you said, another weapon for for Mitch Trubisky. And you take a look at what 
uh, Brian Pace has done today, and really he's done what you kind of expected him to do. He invested a first round top three overall or second overall pick in Mitch Trubisky, and now he's done everything. I mean, he did it in the draft last year, and now the first two days of free agency, we're seeing it, or, or not even the first. We haven't even gotten to the first day of free agency, but in, during this tampering period, that's all he's done is surround Mitch Trubisky with more weapons. I mean, look at look at what Trubisky has now. You have Jordan Howard, uh, one of the better running, you know, ball carriers in the NFL. You have a dynamic, multifaceted weapon in Tariq Cohen. You can kind of say the same thing about Taylor Gabriel. Similar types types of players there. I mean, you imagine those those guys in a bunch set with with Allen Robinson. I mean, you got your legitimate number one now. I, I mean, you got you, you like I said before, if Cameron Meredith or Kevin White do anything next season, then I mean, you you have a, a legitimate top th- uh, a trio of wide receivers plus two quality tight ends. I mean, they ha- other than getting you know, I assume though though. Uh, address uh, the offensive line in the draft. They did sign Bradley Soul, uh, but he, you know, he's just kind of a backup option. Uh, I, I think if you can get one more piece up front for the offensive line, then maybe or maybe two. We'll see. We'll see what Pace does. Then all of a sudden, this offense that just dragged the team to the worst passing attack in the NFL can really be a multi, you know, a, a full, well-rounded offense. You're not just relying on Jordan Howard. Uh, like you basically did the entire last season because the Bears had no one to throw to. Now you have a whole lot of different options for a head coach who's known to to have made the most of uh, you know his players' still sets in the past. So I think that you know we we're seeing where all the money's being invested. This is. You know, it, at this point, I would say that the really, you know, I'm not saying that, it, you know, Pace has done everything right, but he, he has given Trubisky, his franchise quarterback, plenty of options, and there's really no reason that he can't succeed with this group. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, I And I think I said this, uh, you know, right about the time that they hired Mac Nagy, or Nagy is, Really, I don't see any way, shape, or form that we're going to look back a few years from now if Trubisky fails, and I don't think he will, but let's just say he does and say, you know, Ryan Pace didn't do what he needed to do. This isn't a Jay Cutler situation where he, his his growth is going to be stunted. He's never going to have everything around him until it's too late. I mean, we're talking about a guy going to his second year with one of the higher-regarded offensive minds in football. Uh, he's got a lot of good offensive minds around him within the offensive staff you know, in general. And then you add in guys like Sheree Cohen, Cameron Meredith, uh, you know, and, and Adam Shaheen is is solid building blocks, and obviously Jordan Howard. And then all of a sudden, you say, okay, we're going to give you the top, you know, the best receiver out of the market, one of the best tight ends out of the market, and then we're going to give you one of the best slot receivers out on the market. And quite frankly, I don't think they're done. Whether it's probably going to be in the draft, but like you said, now you have to look forward to what they're going to do on the offensive line gut feeling just because i'm starting to see some of these contracts go out you got a guy that started four games last year in chris hubbard that's all of a sudden getting eight million dollars a year to start at right tackle for somebody if i had to guess i would assume that maybe the bears are going to say okay we've got uh you know we've got jordan morgan and we've got uh you know Horanis grasu and and eric kush we're comfortable enough to be able to head into the draft uh, with our interior line and say, okay, we're going to, you know, there's a lot of good interior talent, whether that be Quentin Nelson slipping to them at eight, whether that be taking a guy in the second or, you know, third round, if they get a third round pick, uh, there's a multitude of options that they can go, whether that be at center or whether that be at guard. But 
I could see Ryan Pace saying, okay, you know, we've got, we need to address the defensive side of the ball. Outside linebacker, there's not very good talent out there. So chances are you're only going to be able to get, you know, a, like a rotational guy. Uh, corner, you still got to figure out what you're doing for cornerback, too. But I think when you look at the offensive line, there's some names out there. But at least in the current market, I don't know if it makes any sense. Like Zach Fulton's rumored to get seven or eight million dollars a year. And this is a guy that's been a super sub for KC for the last four years. Granted, he started some games, but we're not talking about a guy that has been overly great and you're talking about giving a guy the same amount of money that the bears gave josh Sitton, uh you know three off seasons or you know going into you know three off seasons ago or whatever it was and saying okay well we're going to pay him the same amount of money that we just cut him for and that we saved but he's probably not going to be as good so it makes more sense to me especially when you look at what they have invested on the offensive line that maybe they say, okay, we're comfortable enough to where we can go into the draft and know we're going to get somebody good, but we also know we have enough guys, uh, you know, with an interior to be able to compete. So that's just my take. I know yeah. I kind of went and rambled on a little no, bit, no, but, but the, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that the, I think the market is, is does, you know, once you get past all these moves or when these moves start to happen, and and like we were talking about before the the podcast, it's like everything is happening as we're speaking uh, with all these deals. Teams start to get desperate, and that's when you start seeing, uh, you know, those those big money contracts go to guys who don't deserve it. That's how that's you know when when you fail to get a, a couple of your top targets, you get desperate and you want to get your that next guy. That's how you end up giving Marcus Wheaton five million dollars. You know that that's where you end up if you don't if you aren't able to get those guys. So uh, I think you know this is not pace isn't in that situation. I think he 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 knew what he wanted to get and he went out and got him. And I think you're right. I think he's going to address the offensive line in the draft. He, I think he wants to get younger along the offensive line uh you know he's got a good couple young guys and up up front they get one more and you know like man quentin nelson in that offensive line blocking for jordan howard man that uh, that that really uh to me would would tie tie this offense together so i do agree i think they're gonna that's gonna be one of the priorities i do think defense is gonna be a priority as well because we haven't heard anything about the defense the only other guy that the bears are are going to sign tomorrow uh is cody parkey uh, f- former kicker for the uh, Miami Dolphins, and not a bad kicker. I mean, he he ninety one percent last year, eighty percent the year before, eighty eight point nine percent his first year in the league in two thousand and fifteen. He only played three games, so uh, we won't even include that one. But I mean, yeah, eighty six point four percent career uh, field goal percentage, and let's see, he was twenty six of twenty nine in PATs, twenty for, of twenty one in PATs the year before. So pretty pretty solid there. Uh, you know, like you said before, the, before we came on in the podcast, at least now, I mean, Parkey's not uh, an amazing kicker, you know, uh, Hall of Fame kicker. <laughs> there are there, well, there's only one, but he, he, now this isn't a position where it's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? I mean, the last since since Robbie Gold left, it's been a, a mess, a mess at the kicker position. And now that it seems like they finally got it, another again, another young guy, twenty six year old, a guy that they're going to have control over for a while, and who can you know potentially stabilize uh, the kicking game. I think I think it's a smart move. I agree. I, I think when you really look at good teams or rising teams and stuff that they have, I think one of those things is having a good kicker. I mean, we've talked about this for years on the podcast about how valuable a kicker can be to a team and how many times have we seen over the last few years where the bears have just had you know a crappy kicker whether it be kickoffs and things cost them there or whether it be field goals and extra points i mean there's been multiple times where having a good kicker would have come in good use now i'm not going to you know 
get too crazy and say, you know, this type of move is a kind of move that you make when you feel like you're ready, you know, that you're ready for the playoffs. But I do think to a certain extent that Ryan Pace is basically saying, hey, you know, we're building towards something here. We think we're closer. But one of the things that we need, which may seem small on paper, but is actually pretty big in the in the grand scheme of things, is we need a solid kicker. And I mean, he's not a world beater by any means, but I do think getting him because Miami wanted to resign him. Miami doesn't have a lot of money. They're kind of up against the cap. They've made a few moves a day that have confused the crap out of me, but we don't need to get into that. But I, they wanted to keep him, but I think it just came down to Ryan Pace just identifying his guys and really saying, hey, you know, this is somebody that we want. You look at the kicker market, it's bad. I mean, the the, the best guy outside of Cody Parkey was probably uh, Kai Forbath. And then after that, maybe Roberto Aguayo. Um, but a lot of these guys have already fallen off the market. So I think, you know, Pace really looked at it and said, OK, we need to make a move. We can't afford to go in with a guy, not Aguayo, sorry, uh, Cairo Santos, you know, and he really can't afford to go in with a guy like Santos and maybe an undrafted free agent and have that fall apart on us again. So I like it. Like I said, it, it, it doesn't seem big and he's probably going to get three, three and a half million dollars a year. It's not really going to count that much in the grand scheme of things in terms of money. But this is one of those impact moves where we could look at it next year and say, well, you know, having that good kicker may have given them an extra win or two. And, you know, obviously expectations are still far off at this point. But you make these kind of moves. And at least to me, Ryan Pace is saying, obviously, we're building for the future, but we want to start winning. And I think he needs to start winning. No, but I, I do think it's important. Like if, like you said, I mean, a good kicker can be the, the difference between a win and a loss. And, you know, we're talking about the, a guy who puts points on the board. And people devalue kickers because, you know, they only come out there every once in a while, you know, four or five times a game. But, I mean, they're the ones who are on the line. James on the line. You need a good kicker to be able to put that ball through and get those three points. And, you know, Bears haven't had that for two seasons. And it's been, uh, you know, it's been a rough, rough, rocky road to say the least with the kicker situation. And, you know, Ryan Pace failed. You know, he came in, he cut Robbie Dalton. He wasn't able to replace him. And I think, again, this might be another situation where he learned his lesson. And like he said, he went out and got the best kicker that was available. Again, Parkey's not amazing, but I mean, you know, he's ticked two 54-yard field goals in his career. He's got a good leg. Uh, you know, he's he 91% last year, 86% for his for his career. I mean, this is a solid guy, and that, that type of stability at that position is, is uh, it does go overlooked, I think. I, th- I don't think people, uh, you know, necessarily understand how big this could actually be, so I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out, but I, I mean, these are four solid moves, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they might have overpaid a little bit for, uh, you know, again, we don't know what they gave Gabriel. Uh, might have overpaid a little bit for Robinson and Burton. But, uh, again, they had the money. They could do it. And we, we said that coming into this offseason. Don't be cheap. Don't, don't you know, don't. If you want the guy, go get him. And that looks exactly what Ryan Pace did. And he's just made life a lot easier for his franchise quarterback. And that's really what Ryan Pace has, has been trying to do for the last two years. So, uh, kudos to him. I, I think it was a strong first two days of uh, the, the tampering period. The, those guys will get signed, I assume, all tomorrow or uh, Thursday. I assume I'll have to go up to uh, Hallis Hall uh, to do a press conference with Allen Robinson, uh, probably Burton and Robbins or Burton and, and Gabriel too. We'll see. Uh, but those uh, that's that's your new new look offense for the Chicago Bears. Want to talk about the restricted free agents? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, right. They actually just put out a release. Uh, didn't really give us any clarification at all to what we're talking about earlier, but I think <clears> we should be good. That's the Chicago Bears for you. Um, the Bears tendered three of their restricted free agents. Uh, Patrick Stales was the one guy. That, I believe they he, they had four, and Stales was the one. The lawn snapper was the one they let go, 
or did not tender. Uh, but well, he was an exclusive rights guy. Uh, uh, the, they didn't tender Daniel Brown. He was a restricted free agent. Daniel Brown and John Tima, which okay. make complete sense as to why they didn't. Okay, gotcha. So those those are the ones they did not tender. The ones they did tender, uh, Cameron Meredith and Josh Bellamy. Uh, and it's amazing that Bellamy can even is still a restricted free agent. I mean, the guy's been around forever. And uh, Bryce Callahan, uh, the cornerback, all of them basically uh, original round tenders. With uh, Callahan's a right of first refusal, but I mean they're all undrafted guys, so they're all it means pretty much the same thing. Uh, Bears will have a five if any other team signs one of these players, uh, the Bears will have a five day window in which they can match the offer. Uh, but they will not get draft compensation for any of them. So really, they're 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 sending these three guys out there to say, here, test the market and 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 have the have the market define what your value is instead of sitting here and arguing with your agent for the next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, and I, I got to be honest, man. I really hope I, I really hope somebody gets cabin fever in the NFL and just says, you know, we want to give Josh Bellamy like six million dollars a year because then the Bears would. <laughs> I don't understand how this guy. I get okay, he's got some special teams value. But come on, man! Like, yeah, you really gonna you get, you just gave one point nine million dollars to a special teams receiver that I mean, anytime he gets on the field for actual snaps, I mean, it's like okay, you know, you know, your season's over at that point. So it's like, I mean, I get it. it it's more of me just get you know giving crap because I, I I've never been a big Bellamy fan. I get what he does on special teams; it's somewhat important. But man, like, does I mean, does he have naked pictures of Ryan Pace or something? Like, I thought it was he had something on John Fox, but apparently this goes further than Fox and on Ryan Pace. I just they, I don't understand. Like, they, they why love, would you tender him? They love Josh Bellamy as a as a, a core special teams player. Um, you know, I, I, that's really as far as it goes. I mean, here here's the thing with Josh Bellamy. I mean, the guy can get open. That's the thing. That's what's so so <laughs> maddening about him is the guy knows how to get open. But it's like the easiest, the easier the catch is, the more likely he is to drop it. I mean, and I, I you're not the only one who's who uh, has, takes issue with Josh Bellamy in the in the uh, in the Bears as far as Bears fans go, because he is maddening in that sense, but they love him as a special teams player. I know it's a lot of money, but again, they had it to spend. Yeah. You just hope that they don't, it doesn't come to a point. Like you said, when, once he gets out that wide receiver, you know, your season's your, at least your uh, passing attack is over. So, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've addressed that position. So at least, you know, there, there's a less likely chance that Bellamy's going to be out there as your number one and the number two option by the end of next season. So, uh, you know, it's really just, you know, addressing like they did with Parkey, addressing the, the special teams and just making sure they keep one of the core guys there uh but i agree just just don't throw on the ball but a guy who can catch the ball though is cam meredith and i think you know with the with the the, the knee injury last year i don't how much interest do you think there's going to be in him i you know and maybe i'm in the majority because i i love cameron meredith and i think that he's still going to be a really damn good receiver i think there's going to be teams out there that are going to they're going to sign him to an offer sheet i really do and i and we talked about it a little bit before the podcast and I kind of want to get your take on it because I think there's two ways of looking at this one, uh, extremely irresponsible if they don't want to pay him any more than what they're paying him right now. Two would be, obviously they say, Hey, we want to basically let you set your own market, which I would assume if anybody's going to sign him, it'd probably be two, three years at probably five or $6 million, which would probably be great for the bears. But when you look at this, do you value paying him an extra four million, let's just say $4 million this year versus what he's making right now, 
to take that risk or you know even a because a team could put the bears in an interesting position the bears are spending a lot of money so it could come down to a situation where what if they want to front load a deal you know where they're giving them pretty much the same you know annual per year whatever it may be but maybe they want to front load them at 10 million dollars obviously risky coming off an acl but i do think in some sense there is a little bit of risk involved with this even if you're really trying to have another team sign him to a deal so you don't have to deal with it. Uh, do, you, do you see any risk in this? Yeah, there is definitely. I mean, there's risk. I think there's, for both Callahan and Meredith, there's risk. Because uh, both guys are young, still young players who, going into last season, were both were starters. I mean, Callahan was a starting nickelback, and, and Tamron Meredith was ba- going to be your number one wide receiver. Um, so, you know, these are guys that, you know, the Bears thought very highly of coming into last season. They're both young. They're both on the rise. Yeah, I think there's a chance that both will get will uh, get signed to offer sheets. And I think the Bears are going to be – might be forced into a tough position there, especially if, if some team wants to go a little bit overboard. And, again, teams do go overboard all the time. I think the one issue with Meredith is, is because, you know, we're, he is coming off that knee injury. He still isn't a fully developed wide receiver. I mean, he's still – you know he hasn't put together that Pro Bowl season yet, so he's still kind of not not an unknown commodity. But you know when you throw the knee into there, it's it's a little difficult to kind of project where he's going to be at. Whereas Callahan, to me, is a legitimate starting uh, nickelback, and I, I I think that that there's a lot of value in that, and, and a lot of teams, you know, especially with the way the offenses are set up these days, most teams use three wide receiver sets. You need three quality cornerbacks in the NFL to have a, a good pass defense. And, you know, Callahan is, I mean, he's not great, but I think he's one of, he's, I would say, in the top half of the league in, at, at, in the slot. So, uh, yeah, but I think both guys are, are definitely at risk, and the Bears, you know, are might have to choose between one of them. I, I, and I don't, I don't know which direction they would go. I would think they would probably keep Callahan just because they've made so many investments at the wide receiver position. But, yeah, I, I, I still think, I, I thought Meredith was going to have a great season last year and, and until the until the injury happened. So I, I, I think that there's going to be some interest in both those guys. Unfortunately, there probably won't be a whole lot of interest in Josh Bellamy. Sorry, bud. Oh, yeah. I, well, and hopefully there's absolutely zero interest in the Bears keeping Marcus Wheaton if we're talking about bad receivers. Oh, but. Man. Just, just to kind of, I, I kind of want to tail off of what you're talking about with, uh, with uh, Callahan there because I think it's also worth mentioning that I think it was Ben Gosling is his name. I think he writes for ESPN, uh, covers the Vikings there, and he was talking about that the the Vikings is going to have interest in Callahan. So it's going to be very interesting because just to kind of give you an idea, you, and that's the thing, that's the fun thing about free agency is even though the Bears aren't signing everybody under the sun, obviously they've made their moves really cool. I'm excited, but. You start seeing some of these other moves, and I think one of the biggest ones right now that sticks out to me is you can look at the corner signing. Uh, Malcolm Butler just got twelve million dollars a year. Uh, I'm trying to think there was there was an extension. Yes, oh Casey Hayward got twelve million dollars a year. Uh, Aaron Colvin got eight. So I think you can kind of look at that and you can say, okay, Kyle Fuller's probably falling in eleven to twelve million dollars a year. I'd expect a deal at some point to get done. But then you look at Bryce Callahan, and I think a big one that could have just helped the Bears out is Nikel Roby Coleman, who's one of the better nickels in the league for the Rams, ended up re-signing with the Rams for a little bit over five million dollars a year. And I think when you look at Callahan, I think he's I definitely think he's an above average uh, nickel corner. Like you said, there's a lot of value in that. My biggest concern with him, and it always has been, is health. He's he's got to figure out a way to play all 16 games. Luckily, they have some solid depth back behind there. But I think when you're looking at these kind of situations, and it kind of goes back to you know risk versus no risk. Uh, with Cameron Meredith, kind of hard to tell because he had an injury. But with a guy like Bryce Callahan. 
you know, if a team signs him, in, let's say three or four uh, years and five, five and a half million dollars a year, uh, you know, in terms of a contract to an offer sheet, I think that's something that the Bears have to match because the other trick with Callahan right now is the fact that the Bears don't have a, a second corner. And realistically, Kyle Fuller is still technically out on the market because he has a transition tag. You know, who knows what will happen with that? I think they'll end up getting a long term deal done, but a team still could try to put them in a bad position. So I think if there's a situation where somebody offers something for Callahan, sign into an offer sheet, and it's reasonable. I mean, when I say reasonable, I mean anywhere from four, maybe six million dollars a year, nothing more. Uh, I think the Bears have to match that. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Callahan. You can lose. You can afford to lose him right now, just because, of this, like you said, the state of the cornerback position on this team right now is is way up in the air. I mean, we haven't even brought up Prince Mukamara, who's a, an unrestricted free agent. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think if if another team wants to pay him that much, I I, I think he's worth that. But like you said, I mean that that's that, that's the value, that's the cost for a good cornerback, uh, slot cornerback in the NFL. So you know, pay the pay the guy what he's worth. Uh, you did mention, or, or I, we have not mentioned yet, the Bears did lose Christian Jones, uh, inside and outside linebacker. You know, pretty much trying to did it all for the Bears. Uh, defensively, he was a, a very good special teams player. He signed a two year deal with the Lions, so he's going to stay in the NFC North. Uh, but that depletes an already uh, a linebacker core that really, you know, doesn't have a, it's got some depth, but doesn't have a, you know, there's a couple good starters. I think Kwiatkowski and Trevathan are fine, but, you know, they're going to have to find some depth at that, at that position as well, as well as a lot of positions on defense. And we'll get to, uh, much more into the defensive side of the ball in our next podcast, but uh, that they won't be relying or having Christian Jones anymore. <clears throat> and Kirk Cousins, he's coming to the NFC North as well. You mentioned the Vikings earlier. He is now the Minnesota, well, or will be tomorrow, uh, the Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback. Uh, what is it? How do you feel about that? You know, I, I've thought about this a lot over the last few weeks, ever since the rumors kind of came out about him. And here's some food for thought. I know a lot of people looking at this, and keep in mind, I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan. I, I really think, I would say he's probably a top 10 to top 12 quarterback. My biggest thing with Kirk Cousins has always been simple. When is he going to win a big game? Because you see over the last, well, I mean, all four years or five years or whatever it is, since he's been starting, he has really struggled to beat above average teams, whether that be 500, whatever that be. I mean, they had the one playoff uh, spot where they got in and then they got blown out by Green Bay. Uh, and then you compare that to Case Keenum this last year. I don't think Case Keenum's that great. I think maybe he's right around average. Uh, he's going to sign with Denver or whatever it may be. But Case Keenum had a great year last year. So I guess my thought process behind this is simple. I think Case Keenum was kind of a flash in the pan. But I also think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. But can he win? So my thought process and the way I'm looking at this is, is Case – sorry, is, is uh, Kirk Cousins coming in on a three-year deal fully guaranteed, I think at like $28 million a year. I mean that's that's a historic contract, by the way. I thought that was interesting. But can a guy like Kirk Cousins come in and do – can he match what Case Keenum did last year? I, I know that's kind of funny to ask because Case Keenum is probably not as good of a quarterback. But you look at that and you look at the year that Case Keenum had versus who Kirk Cousins is – and, okay, yeah, maybe Kirk Cousins is a little bit better of a quarterback, but I also think that Case Keenum at least showed last year that he can beat, uh, you know, uh, above 500 teams and win some and win some playoff games. I'm not sure that Kirk Cousins is any better in that aspect, and I'm not sure that Kirk Cousins is going to be a better quarterback than what Case Keenum was last year for the Vikings. So, you, honestly, it may be kind of a draw when it's all said and done. You think so? I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I agree with the... the 
the fact that Cousins does struggle in the big games, he hasn't won many playoff games, if any. I, I, I haven't looked it up, but I know that, you know, th- that has been one of the knocks on him. But, uh, you know, Keenum was nothing before last season. And, and, and you might be right. I mean, he might he might just, you know, go flush down the toilet in Denver and, and we'll, we'll always think of him as a one-hit wonder. I don't know. But, you know, Kirk Cousins has been pretty solid for a while now. And I think it... You know, the Vikings were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl last year. So even if Cousins only offers them a slight upgrade at that position, they might think to themselves, hey, that's all we need. We just need this veteran in here to stabilize the offense. And, you know, we have, we have the offensive minds in here to get this done. And, and I, you know, I can see it from the Vikings' standpoint. When you get that close and, and, and you with a guy like Case Keenum, it's like, well, damn, what could we do if we actually had Kirk Cousins? So I, I get it, uh, I, what, you know, the, the issue there. But I do think the Vikings are going to be uh, uh, that offense, especially if Dalvin Cook stays healthy, then, you know, they have one of the better young running backs. Uh, and, and now they have, you know, a, a, a established starter at the at the uh, quarterback position, which is huge. So I think the Vikings are, I, I, you know, I think they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, that defense is still going to be good. Uh, and they're going to be a tough out in the in the uh, NFC North. So, uh, what uh, Albert Wilson, former Chiefs wide receiver, uh, played for Matt Nagy? What's your story? Well, at least from what I heard, uh, long story short, is basically that the Bears had him wrapped up. Uh, I mean, this is going even back to the combine. Everybody just kind of assumed he was going to the Bears or whatever it may be. And at least from what I was told, um, Miami kind of had him identified as the guy that they wanted to take over for uh, for Jarvis Landry, and they came in hot with an offer. I think the Bears were right around six million, uh, five and a half, six million a year. Looked like everything was going to be good, and then Miami came in. I think it was early to midday yesterday, and started off. I think it was right around six and a half to seven. Uh, and then ended up going to eight, and basically the Bears weren't willing to go any higher than six. So I think you know it, it's one of those situations where it's it, it always bears to kind of keep in mind with a free agency situation that you're always going to hear stuff and you're always going to see stuff. And I, I I have every reason to believe that Albert Wilson had every intention to sign with the Bears, and I think the Bears expected him to. But I also think it's worth keeping in mind with the, the the free agency in general is that there's a lot of misinformation being put out by teams, by agents that's getting relayed through the media. And then the other thing too, is that even though there's always negotiations that go on, I mean, the tampering period is really the tail end of what these guys have been dealing with. They know their market going into the tampering period. Uh, but there's always teams that can come out of nowhere and overpay. So it's not really a big deal because I, I would have rather had Albert Wilson uh, than than Taylor Gabriel just because I was a little higher on Wilson. But I do think that this is a good sign for Bears fans knowing that, OK, Ryan Pace is willing to overpay for the guys that he wants. I think he, you know, Albert Wilson, or, no, sorry, uh, Alan Robinson, I had 13 million per year. He ended up getting 14. Uh, I think Burton I had at seven. He ended up getting eight. So, OK, you know, that that's understandable. But the fact that Ryan Pace said, OK, we're not willing to go out of our way and pay you 20% more than our top price for a guy like Albert Wilson. I think kind of shows you that Ryan Pace has the right mindset, and I think this could be a positive moving forward to know that he's not just going to get desperate and sign any guy that they give attention to. Well, and he also, you know, that that fell apart, and he went and turned around and was able to get Gabriel, who I assume was just plan B. You know, you know so he, he, he had a plan going in. He had another option in case his top target wasn't, you know, they weren't able to get Wilson. He, you know, he didn't pout about it. He just turned around and got the next best guy. So that's smart. That's just a smart way to do it. I agree. I, I think this is a good start. 
uh, to this offseason for uh, the Chicago Bears. I don't think you could have asked for a whole lot more other than, you know, maybe an edge rusher. But, you know, there aren't a lot out there right now. So, uh, you know, offensively, I think this is going to be an entirely different show. I think it's, it's, man, it's going to be exciting uh, in training camp this year. I I bet the crowds are going to be huge down there in Bourbon A because, you know, you got all these weapons around this young quarterback that everyone's so excited about. Uh, you know, uh, and you have an offensive-minded head coach who can, you know, has shown, uh, you know, proven his ability to get the most out of his offensive players. A very creative uh, head coach who learned from one of the best offensive minds in Andy Reid. I, I think you give him all these weapons, you give him this fresh young quarterback. Uh, Matt Nagy can do a lot of damage with this offense. Uh, anything we missed? I don't think so. I think we're pretty well good to go. I mean, right. obviously, they, they've got some positions to attack. Uh, we talk about offensive line, maybe. Uh, I think corner is going to be a, a big priority. I, I honestly think they're going to end up re-signing Amu Kamara, and I think it may be a little bit more of a friendly deal than some people are thinking. And then, obviously, they, they've got to figure out edge rusher. Trent Murphy's a top name on the market. Uh, he's coming off a torn ACL. He's also had a drug suspension, so I'm not really sure that that makes a lot of sense. But there's some smaller name guys out there that could profile as nice rotational number three uh, pass rushers. Biggest thing to keep in mind, at least uh, w- what I would say, is the Bears are probably not going to address much pass rush until they get in the draft. So just understand there's a lot going on in free agency. They can make a lot of moves, but you can only do what you can do, and the draft is still ahead, and that's where you've really got to hit on. So the Bears are in a good position, but just be patient with some of these positions because the market really isn't there for some of these places. I think you're right. They are going to use the draft you know, whatever, whatever they don't get done here in free agency, I think those that's those are the holes they're going to fill in the draft. You know, the draft is a ways away. We, you know, got a lot of a lot of uh, analyzing to do here of these of these uh, uh, draft picks. But for right now, as far as free agency goes, I think, uh, you know, at least on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, that that there were huge needs on the offensive side of the ball, and, and Pace filled a bunch of them, filled the kicker need, which I think is going to be a lot bigger than most people realize. Uh, we'll see what happens here this week. Like you said, there's probably going to be some other moves that the Bears are going to make, some lower-level moves, mid-tier moves. And, uh, it, you know, if there's enough out there, you know, I'll probably get to talk to Allen Robinson this week. We'll come back. We'll do another podcast later this week if it's if it's worth it. And uh, we'll talk about where the Bears stand. Uh, you know, if it's I think we'll probably do it on Friday, and we'll have an idea, you know, where the Bears are three days into the NFL season. So that'll be really fun and exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about this offense this year, guys, and I think it's worth getting excited for. Uh, just because I, I like you, I believe Trubisky's the real deal, and I think now he has the weapons to succeed. So that's awesome uh, for Bears fans. Uh, that's it, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last 45 minutes. Uh, be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow as well at Bear Report. Check out all our work at BearReport.com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. Come talk to us every day at the Bear Report message boards. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That's it, guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Friday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.